Welcome to Convictions, the podcast. Hey everybody, so this is Ian, um, and, and, and this is the first time I'm going to try this out. So this is going to be a podcast format uh, for the Convictions website, and so that's the website where I've written a lot of articles and blogs about, about different scriptural topics. The idea behind the website was to, you know, kind of be a little bit of a journal for me as I study topics and, and learn new things, um, and then also just a place for... Christians to be able to discuss a little bit of, of how they feel on some of these topics, um, just in a friendly way, and and go from there. And so the reason I'm doing this podcast format is not because it's something that I, I feel wonderfully gifted in. Um, it's more or less a, a way to reach more people. So I know that sometimes these posts can be a little bit long, take a little bit of time to read, uh, but man, podcasts have helped me so much uh, in my spiritual walk, finding good podcasts, because you know, I can listen to them on my way to work. I can listen to them you know, anytime I'm on a drive, if I'm out on the yard doing some work, if I'm doing anything around the house you know, alone, you know, I can just turn on a podcast and kind of listen to it as I do it. And so it's a way to, to learn without it taking up a whole bunch of your uh, time to get other things done. And so with that being said, I do not feel like a, a gifted speaker whatsoever. I, you know, when I lead worship at church, I feel like I have to kind of write out mostly everything I say uh, or I'm going to go off the rails. <laughs> um, and so if this turns out to be a total disaster, then hey, uh I won't do it anymore. Uh, but but if it is helpful to you, please let me know either by commenting or sending me a message or something, um, and, and so I can know that and, and be able to continue to do this and, and reach people that way. Um, so anyway, hopefully this is this is a beneficial thing. So we're gonna give it a shot. The most recent blog that I wrote was about heaven. And I've written one about heaven prior to this one. Uh, But this is just a topic that's really been on my mind for probably a year and a half now. Um, I remember a few years ago, I first heard, largely due to the Bible Project, which is an excellent podcast, far superior uh, to anything that I'm going to say today. But but the Bible Project consists of of a Hebrew scholar, Christian, and um, another man who does a lot of animation. And so they make these videos on YouTube, and and they're extremely helpful videos to kind of look at the whole biblical narrative um, as a picture that points to Jesus. And so I I recommend them. I I couldn't recommend them enough. But with that being said, they also have a podcast where they kind of dive into the deeper aspects of, of the heart behind each of their videos. And the podcast is extremely beneficial. It's, it's those two guys talking back and forth about um, different biblical topics. And so probably one of the first times that I really thought about heaven in this newer uh, aspect was listening to those guys do 
uh, a series of podcasts um, about that. And so the deal here is is this: we've all been taught something about heaven growing up. We all have a picture of heaven in our minds right now. And so I'm gonna take. I'm gonna ask you for a second. Just I'm gonna stop talking, and I'm gonna ask you to just take a moment and picture heaven. All right. Hopefully you have a picture in your mind. I once read that I think it's after like seven seconds of silence, it, it becomes awkward. And so um, there was I'll, I'll end that awkward moment there for you. But so what are you seeing when you picture heaven? Are, are you picturing people with wings like jumping around from cloud to cloud? Or are you picturing beautiful music on harps or... Um, are you picturing yourself with wings? Are you picturing just this mass of people just kind of singing medieval hymns? Uh, are you picturing a lot of like white, like you kind of have to squint to see everything and there's just lots and lots of clouds and white and maybe there's a little bit of a gold city somewhere in the distance? Well, that's kind of, even if that's not your picture. And hey, Send me some comments on this. Let me know what, what you pictured before and, and if after this your opinions changed or you're definitely at least wanting to look into it more. Um, but hey, that's kind of what I pictured growing up, okay? And so with that picture in your mind, um, it's just kind of vague and obscure and hard to get a handle on on is that something that's really better or is it just better than the alternative and hey i i mean saying that might like take you off guard because like how dare you question heaven and how dare you question god's word but my point here is this if you get a weird feeling about some of those pictures and on top of that you're just not really sure if 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 that's something you're looking forward to, or if it just kind of freaks you out, um, you're not alone. And then I'll go a step further. Perhaps that's not what God's Word teaches us about heaven. And if that's the case, then it's okay to feel weird about that because it's not Scripture. And so let's, I, I want to take a few minutes here and just dive into Scripture and figure out a little bit about what it teaches about heaven. Does that make sense? So I hope you're staying with me. I hope I'm not losing you uh, with boredom, um, just droning on. I'm trying to, to do this the, the best way I know how. Like I said, I'm, I'm figuring it out as I go, so... Um, but anyway, for most of my life, that's what I saw was a floaty, hazy, spiritual place that was hard to grasp. I saw a bright place, lots of singing, and that was about it. And to be honest, I looked forward to it, and I already alluded to this, more because it was not hell than I did because it was heaven. Does that make sense? I looked forward to it 
more because it wouldn't be burning than I looked forward to it because it was the city of God himself. And why is that? Well, it's because I like earth. And don't get me wrong, there's tons and tons and tons of issues here on the world. And, and a lot of times, you know, I, I just want to, to focus on heaven as an escape to the awful realities that I see here around me. But at the same time, I wish that the good parts of this earth could stay around. And the negative things that I see could just be taken out of it. You know, in my mind, truly, if I'm being honest, that would be better than this hazy, cloudy city that I, you know, kind of grew up with the picture of. And so, so going off of that, earth feels like home. Heaven not always, heaven doesn't always feel that way. But earth feels like home. And that's evidenced by how hard we fight to stay here on this earth. Okay, so there's a natural tendency in us as human beings to take every measure possible to fight death. Now, why is that? Is it because we are just scared of a few moments of pain? Or is it because we want to stay here? See, I I used to work in the ICU, and as a former critical care nurse, I saw tons of examples of people dying who were willing to accept horrible mental and physical pain just so they could stay on earth. And so we really can't say that the reason for that is because we're scared of the pain of death, because I've seen people go through a lot more long-term brutal pain fighting to live here on earth than they would if they would pass away. You know, I saw tons of intubations, people placed on artificial ventilation, central lines placed into people's necks and groins. I saw tons of surgeries. I saw people placed on dialysis, pacemakers inserted emergently. I saw people, most of these situations required people to be restrained. So arms and sometimes legs too tied down to the bed. And people would choose to do this even though prior to starting all of this intervention, they were told that they had no chance of survival. And so instead of passing on to heaven peacefully, the traumatic path was often chosen. And that, that didn't really change. You say, well, a lot of people aren't Christian, so this is all they've got. And I, and I understand that. But unfortunately, this trend did not change between Christians and non-Christians. Now, every now and then, you, you know, it would. It would be different. But I'm just speaking as a generalized rule of thumb here, it was the same response by Christians and non-Christians. Okay, so I want to take a second and stop. Don't get me wrong. I've not had to personally make these decisions in my own life. Uh, 
And my point here is not to say that all these interventions are wrong or to shame anyone who's had to go through these impossible choices and circumstances. But the point I'm making here is that regardless of your beliefs on the afterlife, when placed under pressure, we almost always try to stay on earth. Even with all its issues, even if we're viewing ourselves going to a better place, we often try to stay on earth. So, I ask you why? Could it be that God designed you to feel that way? Okay, so I'm going to get into some stuff here now that may sound new to you. And I've written about it before in a, in a post called Heaven, What Is It Really Like? And so if some of this needs a little bit more explanation for you, then head back to that post and, and read that one. But with that being said, the Bible makes it clear that when we die, we immediately go to be with the Lord. Okay, we've got 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 8 says, So we are always confident and know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. In fact, we are confident and we would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Philippians 1 verses 21 to 23 say, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful, fruitful work for me, and I don't know which one I should choose. I am torn between the two. I long to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. So in that passage, Paul is saying, man, I, I know that if I die, I'm gaining something. I want to depart and be with Jesus right now, but I'm not going to because I still have work to do here But man, wouldn't it be good if that was our mindset, that we were okay with passing on to heaven? It would be good. Um, Another passage, Luke 23, verse 43. This is Jesus speaking to the dying thief that was beside of him um, who had repented, who had said, you know, remember me when you you go to be, um, when you go to your kingdom. And the verse says, And he said to him, speaking of Jesus, talking to the thief, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So we know that in some aspect you are going to be with Jesus right after you die. The moment your last breath is taken, you're going to be with Jesus. And there's not a whole lot of detail given, you know, on what that that portion of, of heaven is like. Okay? This it's it's a place that's called the intermediate state. That's what a lot of theologians have called this. Um, and so it's the state before the final heaven. Okay, so it's where you go when you die, but you don't stay there forever. It changes when Jesus returns, but we'll get there in a minute. So many of us, though, have been taught to believe that's it. I remember growing up and watching uh, some some plays or like Judgment Houses, those kind of things where it's like, 
Um, there was, the plays were called like Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. Then you had Judgment Houses. And, and the whole idea of this was to show different, you know, unexpected deaths. And then you would go to your eternal destination immediately. You're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. Um, I have some issues with, with the way these things were portrayed in those plays and those uh, dramas. But the heart behind them was great. And that was to let you know how important it is to accept God's gift of salvation today because you don't know if you have tomorrow. And why would you not accept it? It's a free gift, right? So that was the idea behind those, and I 100% back that. But because of some of those pictures that are like we've been grown up, you know, being taught about, we've oversimplified it a little bit. And so a lot of us have believed that when we die, we go to heaven or hell, and that's where we stay forever. Problem is, that's not what the Bible teaches. The part of heaven that you go to at death is that intermediate state. And so, don't get me wrong, Paul says in Philippians that it is far better than living in this sin-cursed world. But nevertheless, it's not our eternal state, okay? It's not our final destination. So, you can look forward to the moment after you die, being in the arms of Jesus, being in a paradise, in a temporary heavenly place that is far better than where we're at right now. But we don't have a whole lot of information about it. And because of of our picture of it, and because we don't have a lot of info on that intermediate state, a lot of these Greek and Gnostic thoughts got slipped into the church's teaching over the years. And so we started to receive this picture of like, you die, you go up into the clouds, and you're kind of just floaty and ethereal for eternity. But the Bible gives us a hope that's far better than that. And so if you've ever found yourself not looking forward to that picture of heaven, well, good deal, because that's not heaven. All right, so to understand, though, what the Bible teaches about heaven, we need to kind of take a few steps back. So we're going back to Genesis right now, okay? So Genesis 1-1, the very first words of Scripture, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then it goes on to say in verse 31 of that first chapter, God saw all that he made, and it was very good indeed. See, God made this creation that we're in right now, this earth, to be perfect and good. So the problem with this earth is not something in and of itself. It's the fact that sin stepped into it. See, the serpent in the Garden of Eden came along and tempted humanity to do exactly what God told them would cause them to die. Genesis 3, verses 4 through 6. No, you will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat this fruit, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The woman saw the tree was good for food and delightful to look at, and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. But when God found out that they had done this, the one command that he had told them not to do, he punished all of humanity and the serpent. So Genesis 3, verses 14 through 19 say, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, 
You are cursed more than any livestock and more than any wild animal. You will move on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. He said to the woman, I will intensify your labor pains. You will bear children with painful effort. Your desire will be for your husband, yet he will rule over you. And he said to the man, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, do not eat from it. The ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. You will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground since you were taken from it. For you are dust, and you will return to dust. See, humanity had it made in the garden, but they nevertheless chose to rebel against God. And any willful rebellion against God shut you out of his kingdom. So we're all born into this problem. And so this passage goes on in verses 22 to 24 to talk about how God blocked them off from the tree of life. Okay, so they wanted the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They wanted the tree that would show them sin and the desires of this world. And because of that, the tree that gave them life was cut off from them. The Lord God said, Since the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil, he must not reach out, take from the tree of life, eat and live forever. So the Lord God sent him away from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove the man out and stationed the cherubim and the flaming whirling sword east of the Garden of Eden to guard the way to the tree of life. So you may ask, what's the point of including all this? thought we were talking about heaven, and then we went way back to, to the start. Well, the point is to show you that God's original design was for this earth, this creation, this universe to be good. The world we're living in is what we were designed for. We were designed for a physical, diverse world of sights, sounds, food, jobs, and community, all for the glory of God, not to be some floating spirits. But the problem is Satan and our sin ruined it by going against God's perfect standard. You know, a while back I was talking to someone who had a job working with children. Uh, she was a pediatric nurse uh, in, the, in the ICU. And she said, I've lost my faith. I grew up believing, but I can't anymore. She said, the world is sick. The things people do to kids are sick. If God was there at all, he would never allow that to happen. And let me say, it's easy to get that feeling, you know, and I, I empathized with her as she was telling me this, but it pained me because the way we have taught about God and heaven, you know, it kind of leaves this world behind. But God's heart for this world is more than that. And yes, temporarily things are, are rough here, but God wants them to be fixed. And, you know, so with her story, it made me think of Adam and Eve. The effects of rebelling against God have gone way further than they ever would have imagined. The effects of our daily sin go way further than we can imagine. When you think you're doing something small, something that's just like, ah, it, it, I mean, this is just like, this isn't much at all. You know, I'm going to tell this little lie. It'll make some things easier and it won't ever go further than that. We don't understand the ripple effects 
of sin. Sin is atrocious to God, all of it. And we should never, ever, ever try to rationalize our sin. And yet we do. And so because we do that, because we continue in sin, that's what we're bent toward since Adam and Eve sinned. It's allowed a perfect creation to be soiled. And everything wrong in this world is a direct result of sin. But everything good in this world is a callback to the Garden of Eden, to God's original design. And that's why we naturally love this world. So my answer to this pediatric nurse was, God's not okay with these things. He allows it because we chose to rebel, and humans continue to rebel every day. Because of that, sometimes even the innocent suffer. But the solution isn't to say God is not there. It's to say because God is there, I know that this problem is temporary. Because God is there, I can look to something better. I can look to this creation being fixed. And her response was, wow, I like that. And see, we love this creation. And that's why seeing all the effects of sin on it causes us so much distress. And that's why just leaving it behind at death isn't enough for us. But there is good news. It isn't enough for God either. So the problem, like I said, was creation was soiled. The solution is that all is made new. Romans 8, 18-25 say, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. For the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. Not only that, but we ourselves who have the Spirit as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now in this hope we are saved, but hope that is seen is not hope, because who hopes for what he sees? Now if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. As you can see in that passage that Paul is explaining, the pro- a lot of times we look at the problem as we just need to be saved so one day we can escape this world. But Paul's saying the world needs to be fixed too. The world needs to be renewed. The world, just like we are groaning for a better place, the, the creation itself is groaning for renewal. And so what's cool is when God is ready, that's going to happen. He isn't going to abandon his creation, but instead, all of it is going to be made right. One day, out of the blue, Jesus is coming back, and he'll burn away the sin and curse out of this world and leave what is good. Peter describes it like the process of refining gold. In 2 Peter 3, verses 10 through 13, he says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. One... On that day, the heavens will pass away with a loud noise. The elements will burn and be dissolved, and the earth and the works on it will be disclosed. Since all these things are to be dissolved in this way, it is clear what sort of people you should be in holy conduct and godliness 
as you wait for the day of God and hasten its coming. Because of that day, the heavens will be dissolved with fire and the elements will melt with heat. But based on his promise, we wait for new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So earlier we discussed that the problem was sin entering this world and the serpent coming in to tempt mankind. Well, now let's turn to the end of Scripture. Revelation 20, verses 2 and then verse 10. He sees the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil and Satan. The devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur and will be tormented day and night forever and ever. See, this passage shows you the destruction of the ancient serpent from Genesis. That's a direct callback to the beginning of Scripture, to the thing that caused our problem, the temptation brought on by Satan. This passage at the end of Scripture says, you know what? One day that same serpent, that same being, our enemy, is going to be taken and thrown into the lake of fire. He's going to be out of our hair forever. This is the part of the day of the Lord that Peter discussed. And also, part of the day of the Lord will be our resurrection into our eternal and physical bodies. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16-18 say, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. At the day of the Lord, Jesus will be returning. We will be resurrected into our bodies, moving from the intermediate state that we talked about earlier into our eternal state. And the earth and this universe we are living in will be made new. This is our home, just without the curse that is currently in it. So, the beginning of Scripture said that God created the heavens and the earth, the end of Scripture says that He's making a new heaven and earth. In other words, He's restoring what is broken. So if you, like me, have always seen heaven as some ethereal, otherworldly place that is better than hell, but not quite your home, change your view and reorient your hope. See, earlier I asked if you felt like earth was your home. Heaven and earth are our home because heaven is earth recreated. And that's where we're designed to be. When we look to heaven, we need to be looking forward to a place where we will continue to live in our physical bodies, on a physical world, with all of the diversity that is currently here and much more. We're talking about a place with homes, rivers, lakes, food, jobs, mountains, travels, hobbies, a place where Christians you knew will continue to live around you, remembering the past and making new memories. And most important, a place where God in His three persons is dwelling with you and all the pain of sin is gone. So I want to wrap everything up here. Um, And I'm just going to go through uh, a few parts of the last chapters of Revelation. So I want to go through those. I want you to listen, meditate on that. 
and notice in them that the story of Scripture comes full circle. In the beginning, creation was messed up. We were locked away from the tree of life, and in the end, creation is fixed, and we have full access to that tree again. And we also see the new Jerusalem descend from heaven and meet the new creation, a picture of the current intermediate temporary state of heaven being reunited with creation and becoming eternal. So after reading this, shift your view on heaven if you haven't yet. With this new view, a view that we are going to live physically in a beautiful world forever without the issues of sin, then the things and sufferings that we go through right now don't seem that significant. After all, like what can hurt you here when you're promised a home in a new creation? So I'm going to wrap it up with uh, Revelation 21, verses 1 through 8, and then I'm going to read Revelation 22, verses 1 through 5. Before I get into those, though, um, I want to just say a book that was life-changing for me on this topic was a book called Heaven by Randy Alcorn. So if you're listening to this and you're like, man, I don't know if I follow what he's saying, or if you just not sure if you agree with me, or if you just kind of want to know more, you got more questions about heaven, you want to see what the Bible like says about your specific questions, then check out that book. But uh, let's end with this passage from Revelation and just think back to Genesis. Think back to being locked out of the tree of life and then look forward to what this passage says. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne, Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more, because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. He also said, Right, because these words are faithful and true. And then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will freely give to the thirsty from the spring of the water of life. The one who conquers will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son." But the cowards, faithless, detestable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their share will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Then he showed me the river of the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the city's main street. The tree of life was on each side of the river, bearing twelve kinds of fruit, producing its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree are for healing the nations, and there will no longer be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. People will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, because the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Amen. That's just exciting to hear and to think of all of the struggles of this world being gone, but all of the good of this world and even more being there. I hope this has been helpful to you. Um, I I don't know that if I'll continue to do these, I kind of need to know if it's a format that you enjoyed 
Um, but, but I'm just trying to, you know, reach more people and, and give you a way to listen to this, uh, without, without always having to sit and, and take a, a ton of time to read these posts. So please just let me know if this was helpful to you. Um, if it was, please continue to share it, let other people know about it. Um, and Hey, let me know your thoughts on heaven. Has your mind been changed a little bit about how you look forward to heaven or have, has it stayed the same? Or do you just hear everything I say and think, nope, that I don't agree. Any of those responses, let me know about them. Cause the, the point of this, this website and this blog was, was not just to, to preach my viewpoints and opinions, but to hear the thoughts of other people and, and give Christians a place to, to share some, some scriptural discussion in a loving way. So, um, anyway, with all that being said, I hope this was helpful to you. If so, please let me know, and, and I'll continue to, to do this podcast format. So, thanks.